Let's pray together. Father, we, we do <clears throat> exalt you. We, we thank you that Jesus came, that our Savior was crucified for our sins. We thank you that he defeated death and rose from the grave. We thank you that he is seated on high, that he reigns and rules today, and that Jesus, that you are not dead, but you are alive and you are with us. You hear us today. And so, Lord, would you, as we continue to worship, as we open your word, would you speak to us through your word? Would you help us to submit ourselves to your ways and your will that we might honor you and revere you rightly? Lord, I pray now that, Lord, you would anoint me, use me for your purposes today. This I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you will, turn with me to Mark 10, 46 through 52. Um, in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat ahead of you. It'll also be on the screens. You can follow there. Um, So um, today is Mother's Day. And so if you came hoping to hear a Mother's Day sermon, sorry, you're not going to. So uh, that's not what we're going to do today, but I hope you have been honored. You you wouldn't believe how many things we edited out of those videos. Uh, uh, So some of you moms need to watch your mouth. And so... uh, uh, just kidding, kind of. And so, uh, uh, <laughs> anyway, no names. And so, but we will be reaching out to you at a later point in time. <laughs> and stop. Okay, so, um, so it is Mother's Day. And, I, you know, for me, um, when I think of, for, for Mother's Day, one, obviously, um, my wife, but, but my, my own mom and my grandmother, um, you know, <clears throat> my mom and my grandmother, they've been incredible influences in my life. And, you know, one specifically, my grandmother, she was, she was such an instrumental part of who I am today and was such an instrumental part. Now, some of you maybe didn't have the same experience I did with my grandmother, but I had mine. And my Grammy, she's the best. When I was 19 years old, my grandma passed away. Um, but for three years prior to that, well, for my whole life, I lived not very far from her, a good portion of my life, just a mile away from her. And I got to spend a lot of time with her. But over the last three years of her life, I got to spend three to five days a week, some, most of the time, staying with her as she was sick um, and she was ill and kind of they had a farm and helped take care of that. And I had these really great times with my grandmother. And these really great times were when she would be sitting in a chair in one side of their little house and I'd be sitting in the other. My grandfather was in a nursing home. And me and my grandmother would sit and we'd have conversation. And she'd tell me these crazy stories about going down to the river in the winter and cutting out ice and taking it with picks and putting it in a cooler and then putting water. I mean, it's like, who, did people do this? Like, this is these crazy stories that are just so foreign to our world today. I remember my grandmother telling me those stories. But I also remember her telling me stories of her faith. And the things that she has trusted God for and, and growing and living her life with a husband that didn't believe in what she believed and the faith she had and the struggles and the trials that faced her life. And she would tell me these stories. And she told me those stories. They, they impacted my life in great ways. And I know that many of us in this room have stories of, of grandmothers and mothers who have deeply impacted our life. And 
But the, the thing about my grandma, as I thought about this text and I thought about her, was in all of her godliness and strength, there was an incredible neediness about her life. And the neediness about her life is she needed the Lord. She needed him, and she knew it, to forgive her of her sins. She needed him to go through the difficult days and trials and struggles of her life. And when she talked in strength, it wasn't because she was strong. It was because of the one who she'd placed her faith in, that he was strong. And there was this strength in her neediness. Isn't it funny how we think that strong is not being needy. But if you think about the godly people you know, I think you would think like I do, like my grandmother. She was about as little and frail as could be, but she was a strong, the strongest person maybe I've ever met because of her faith and her recognition of how much she needed the Lord in her life. This morning, we're going to read in Mark 10, about a man who is very needy. The title of it, um, um, the, the text in your Bible, if you have it, it's Jesus Heals Blind Bartimaeus. It's the story of a blind man who's healed. So let's read together. Mark 10, 46 through 52 reads, they came to Jericho and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus was sitting by the roadside. Now, if you remember last week, where we're at in the book of Mark is that Jesus is now leaving and he's kind of leaving kind of this direct ministry and he's going to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, he will be arrested, crucified, and buried. And so Jesus is moving quickly toward the cross. And moving quickly toward the cross, where we're at is there, they've gotten to Jericho from Perea, and so they're, they're to Jericho, and now they're about 15 miles at, um, kind, of in, if, kind of directly from Jerusalem. It would be much longer than that of the terrain that they're going to have to go. But they're about 15 miles away, and they're moving, and Mark, as Mark writes, especially quickly toward Jerusalem. So verse 47, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. In this text, there's kind of three things that we'll see. And the three things we'll see will be wrapped around kind of two things. One, who we are, and two, who Jesus is. So first, who we are. Second, who Jesus is. So the first thing that we see in the text, if you're following with me on the back of your bulletin, the first thing that we see is the condition of us. The condition of us, collectively, us. So verse 46, and they came to Jericho, 
And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, so there's setting, there's two groups of people here tracking with Jesus. There's the disciples, and then there's a great crowd around. So there's quite a few people now following Jesus on the way to Jerusalem, taking the trek alongside of them. And so they come across Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, and what Mark does, he's always very defined, and what he does, he's going to define not only his name, but the character traits physically, right, and physically of Bartimaeus. And so Bartimaeus, he was a blind beggar, and so he was blind, he couldn't see, he was a beggar, he was sitting by the roadside asking for charity, Um, the son of Timaeus, that's what Bar Timaeus means, Bar Timaeus, son of Timaeus, and he was sitting by the roadside. And so again, it's almost this double looking for charity. Not only was he a blind beggar, but he was sitting by the roadside, currently begging. And so it's this kind of state in which he's in. Now, just a little side note here. A few years ago, I went to Guatemala on a trip, on a mission trip, and it was a preparatory trip. We were looking for partnerships and where we could work. This was probably 2006. And as we were there, we visited 14 different ministries. And as I, we went from one ministry to the other, and we were praying as we went, God, where, where do you want us to go? Who do you want us to connect us with? And so we were kind of working within our convictions and just allowing God to lead us and guide us as we did. And so over about four days, we visited all of these different places. And as I went into one orphanage, I remember walking in, they said there's a lot of children with special needs in um, in this orphanage. And so we went in and um, just a day before we got there, they received a baby. And uh, I said this wrong in the first service. I hope I said it right. It was, um, the, the baby had, it was hydrocephalic. Is that right? Yeah. So it had a very small head and the baby was probably going to live, what they said in Guatemala, two to three years. And they'd gotten the baby because the mom and dad, when the baby was born, had put it, the baby in a dumpster because you know, what good was this baby going to be? Um, and it was kind of a burden to them and a burden to society. See, the, and then as I spent more time in Guatemala and went around to each of the kids, all the kids had these kind of needs. And really, it was the same story over and over. Been left on the side of the road, been left in a dumpster, been left here. And so in America, just so we're clear here, we, we kind of have this idea that we, we do fairly well as a society in caring for those that have needs, Um, But in the context of this, a blind beggar like Bartimaeus was, he would have been much like this, an outcast of society, a burden on society and set aside. And just so you know, most of the world still acts like this today. Be honest, Guatemala, compared to some countries, is nice in how they treat their infants in this kind of state. And I just say that because I think sometimes in, in kind of our we can be blind because of the society we live in and to this greater need that we have in the world. And so, uh, <clears throat> so in this, we, we as Christians, I believe, we have a direct responsibility to show compassion. And I remember sitting with that little boy and I remember holding him in that orphanage and I remember just like, like weeping, thinking nobody in the world cares for this little boy. And I hope that for us as a church and I hope for us as individuals that we have a compassion that our Savior that would honor him well in the world of those who have disability. And I know that even some of you in this room, this doesn't mean that you have to 
bring them into your house, but there's even some of you in this room that are just overwhelmed maybe and caring right now in your own life. And this is as a church, hopefully something that we can love and care and come around to each other to honor those who have these kind of infirmities in life that we can come alongside of them and love them and care for them and help them. Amen. Anybody with me on this? All right. All right. A little bit of a downer here. All right. But, but this is a reality of our life and, and our world. And I'll be honest, it was a reality that I had not had my eyes open to until I had traveled to multiple different countries and seeing the same thing over and over and over again. So there's this blind man sitting by the side of the road. In verse 47, it says, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. So Bartimaeus hears that it's Jesus of Nazareth. And he begins to cry out. And this word for cry isn't just this kind of like cry out like, Hey, Jesus, hey, here. This cry out is, Jesus, son of David. It's this rough, raucous, like, hear my cry, I need you. This moment where he lifts his voice and he says, and he says son of David, with his Isaiah 11.1 1, and many other Old Testament prophetic statements that from the root of Jesse, that through the lineage of David, that there would come a savior. And so here, this is this messianic reference. So he's not just saying, Jesus, hey, dude that I heard can heal. He's saying, son of God, the promised one who has come, Messiah, heal me. So he, he recognized that Jesus wasn't just another guy. He was significantly different. He cried out and said, Jesus, son of David. By the way, it's the only time in Mark's gospel that this kind of reference is used, son of David. Again, it designates that he believed he was the Messiah. And then he cried again. Have mercy on me. See, he recognized the capability of Jesus and he cried out to him in genuine faith that Jesus, that that you can heal me, not my faith, but you, the object of my faith, you are the one who can bring healing in my life. He, He recognized the one who could meet his need. And then it continues, verse 48, and many rebuked him, the crowds telling him, be silent, telling him, don't trouble Jesus with your problems. Don't listen to the voices. Be quiet, push it down, push it away. But he cried out all the more, and he said, son of David, have mercy on me. There's this tenacity and this persistence in him of of crying out. He kind of like had this journey moment, right? Like, don't stop believing, Oh, 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 right? Like moving, like Jesus, 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 heal me, do something in my life. See, the, the, there's a quote that says, you will never know Jesus as a reality of your life until you know him as a necessity in your life. Again, you will never know Jesus as a reality of your life until you know him as a necessity in your life. See, Jesus, in this this moment, the Messiah is passing by, and he cries out, Jesus, Jesus, will you save me? Now, many of us go down this road where we're just like the crowd, or we hear the crowd saying, don't trouble, don't trouble Jesus with this or that in your life. Be quiet, be silent. And oftentimes, I don't think as much as we hear people saying that to us in our life, and you might, but I think it's more of an internal thing of like, ah, my problems are too little for him. What's going on in my life? I'm, I'm not going to push into him. That I'm not going to trouble him with that. Or, man, I'm too bad. I'm too wicked. He, he won't ever accept me as I am. I'm telling you, don't ever hear the voice telling you to be silent. 
It is the most evil voice because if you are silent, you will not receive what he has to give you. And so this man, knowing his need, knowing his condition, cries out and says, Jesus, son of David, save me. Come, do a work in my life. Bring healing into me with persistence. He didn't let the voices shut him down, but he pushed in. See, this is what gets to the heart of what we're calling Jesus for ourselves because in, in reality, for all of us in this room, there's a neediness, and we are much more like Bartimaeus than what we would like to think. See, in the scriptures, it says that if you are not in Christ Jesus, you are blind. And when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are given sight. And this sight that you've achieved is not something you have achieved on your own, but something gifted and given to you. See, each of us in this room are blind. Do you believe that? Blind without Jesus, do you believe that? Do you believe that in and of yourself that, that there's a necessity for Jesus to touch you because you can't see clearly without him? Do you believe that at the end of the day, without Jesus, that you are simply a beggar? begging God for his scraps that fall off of his table that he might help you in this or with that, but you don't have a seat at the table. And so all that you can do is kind of ask and beg for the scraps around his table. But see, if you are in him, you are no longer a beggar. You are asked to come and sit at the table and feast upon all that he has. You are his child and all that is his is yours in him. See, we are much more like the blind beggar. And just so you know, every, every miracle is a parable. And there's a lesson to be learned in this for us and for the disciples. See, they kind of thought they had it all together, didn't they? Hey, Jesus, let us sit at your right or left. Jesus says, I'm going to go die on the cross. And Peter says, no way, Jesus. Not with me by your side. I'm awesome. And, Peter, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. See, the disciples thought they had a lot more together than they did, and they didn't recognize how blind they were and how much of beggars they were. And Jesus was going to change that in their life. And what we'll see later in the New Testament is that they became men of faith, and Jesus gave them sight to see things clearly. And not only did he give them sight to see things clearly, but he gave them a place at the table. And not only in this life and the one to come, they feasted at his table, at his grace and his love and his mercy, and it empowered them to live lives for him. See, in this, we are much more like this. But the reality for us in this room is oftentimes we, we kind of miss the real need in our life and we chase after things that we think are going to bring fulfillment but don't really bring it at the deepest level of our need. So one way maybe to think about this is so when I was growing up, I was like 12 years old, and <clears throat> I thought it was a necessity for me to have a Honda 90 three-wheeler. I don't know if you know what a three-wheeler is. It's somewhat self-explanatory. Um, it's an ATV that has three wheels. They do not make them anymore because they are excessively dangerous. Um, my mother has crutches in the upstairs bedroom closet, and they are all for me riding that three-wheeler. There's like five sets of them. I think I was on crutches three times, and I had my arm in a sling multiple times, and there was a barbed wire fence incident also. And so... And so I, I had this three-wheeler, but I, I wanted to get it so bad. I wanted to get this three-wheeler so bad, and my dad didn't want us to have one, me and my brother, to have one. And so we begged and begged and begged and begged. And he said, if you can get half the money 
I'll, I'll pay the other half and you can get it. And I think he really did that thinking there was no way we were going to do that. So we had, a, we had a shed out on the side of our property that was vacant of animals at the time. I grew up on a farm. And so we decided to buy 200 chickens. And then we were going to sell them to neighbors. And it would take six weeks to raise 200 chickens. And then we would butcher them, sell them. And so we did. And we didn't make as much money as we would thought from so many chickens. Um, it isn't as profitable as you'd think. And so... Um, <laughs> So then we went at it again, and so we raised 200 more chickens, and we did it. We achieved it. We, we, we sold those, and we, we bought the three-wheeler, and again, went on to many problems even to this day. I think the reason my knee cracks when I go up the stairs is from the time it flipped and rolled me over my knee. And so, so in this, I, had this I, had, I did all of this work, right? I mean, we, we had to carry water to the chickens, and if you know this, if you've been around chickens, 200 chickens is a lot of chickens. I mean, it's not as many as some people have chickens, but it's a lot of chickens. And I really did not like doing chickens. I did all this work to have these chickens. I did all this work. We sold them. We went around to neighbors, sold them, did all this stuff. And I got this three-wheeler. And I, I, so I had this thing I thought I needed. But I, and I did all this work to get it. But at the end of the day, it didn't achieve much for me and probably caused me more pain than it did enjoyment, maybe. And so I still really want one. So if you know of anybody, let me... No, I'd like to buy that. Now, that, that might be a silly illustration, but we do this in all kinds of other ways. We, we do it with love. And we say, you know, this is what I'm going to chase after because I think love is going to be found if I do this. And we do all this work and we do all these things to achieve it and it ends up not getting us what we need. It doesn't meet our need. We do it with joy. We say, this is going to achieve joy. Finally in my life, I'm going to dig and I'm going to run after it and this is going to bring me joy. And we do it for peace and for all of these deep things in our hearts and lives. And we miss our greatest need. And so I know, I know a three-wheeler, it's a totally silly illustration toward that. But we chase after all these things. We do all of this hard work to get things. And a lot of times, that simply harms us. See, the, the blind man, Bartimaeus, he understood his condition and he knew that only Jesus could fix it. His actual issue. And I, I just say this morning, do you, do you know your condition? Not like just like mentally, but do you, do you believe that as blind Bartimaeus was blind, so are you? As blind Bartimaeus was a beggar, so are you or you have been? See, at this very point, right, there's a humility that's born in us if we truly believe that we were blind if we truly believe that we were beggars and that Jesus has a more significant work to do or he has done a greater work in our life, it causes us to be a different kind of people. So the first thing we see is the condition of a second, the compassion of Christ. So the Bartimaeus's condition and, and who he is and crying out to Jesus is fully seen. And then we see the compassion of Christ. The compassion of Christ comes out and says in verse 49, and Jesus stopped and said, Call him. Now, just take a moment just to know this. Jesus is resolutely going to the cross to die for the sins of humanity. And he's moving quickly toward that. And a man cries out, son of David, have mercy. And the son of God stopped and he turned and he said, call him to me. Now, just so you know, when you cry out to Jesus, he hears you. And he stops 
what's incredible about all of these miracles that he does is he, he touches people. He hears people. He listens to people. He stops. This is the very nature and character of our Lord. And so don't ever feel like you're troubling him. But if you cry out, he will and he does hear you. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, meaning be encouraged, good news, get up. He is calling you. Jesus himself is calling this man to himself. So just so kind of we're clear on this, I don't know about you, but in my life, I've had incredible moments of, of great joy. Has anybody been there where it's just like, I think everything's good right now in my life. All is together and all is well. Have you ever had those moments? Anybody? Yeah. Have you ever had those moments in your life where it's really the exact opposite? Everything is bad and everything is broken right now and it doesn't make any sense. Been there typically there when I've lost someone in my life, when something just desperately bad happens around me and I don't know what to make of it. I've had those broken moments in my life. I've had the moments in my life, I remember before coming to faith, multiple kind of times of this, of looking at Ryan Johnston in the mirror and saying, I really don't like you. If you've ever had those moments where you looked at yourself and you just, you really didn't like who you were, you didn't like maybe who you had become. Those sad and hurting moments, these, all these different moments of our life. And, and what I would say to you, wherever you are today and whatever moment you find yourself in, when you cry out to the Lord, he hears you in those moments. There, there's no moment that goes by that if I genuinely call out upon him that he will not stop and turn toward me but, but hear this in this, that we must, we must take action. There must be a cry in our life. There must be, there's not this moment where I'm broken and all of a sudden, just in my brokenness, Jesus comes and says, oh, you're good, you're better, do well. There's this active response on our part. There's a personal responsibility to recognize where I am and say, Jesus, help me. And I'll tell you, the number one thing that hinders me and hinders you from that is our pride thinking I got to have it all together. I can't ask someone else. I'm telling you that in these moments, the greatest things that we can do is cry out and say, Jesus, help me. Son of David, have mercy on me. To seek the Savior, to respond to his call, to take heart, because he is going to move toward us, and we can move in our lives toward him. He is not troubled by you, but he hears you. But see, we must Respond. Stop doing. <clears throat> this is what we kind of do in these moments of life. Is we, we kind of continue to do the same thing, hoping for different results. And so we just kind of live good moment, bad moment, good moment, bad moment, sad moment, happy moment. We live in just being turned by our feelings and our emotions. But there's this place what we can do, instead of kind of being run by our emotions, as we can, what they call insanity, is doing the same thing, hoping for different results. At some point, I must respond and do something different and step out of the insanity of my life and call upon Jesus. And when I genuinely and truly call upon Jesus, he hears us and he hears you. So we see the, the condition of us, the compassion of Christ, and then last, we see the capability of Christ. The capability of Christ. 
What happens now in the text is verse 50, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And so the blind, so Bartimaeus is at this place where he says, they say, hey, he's calling you, go to him. So Bartimaeus doesn't kind of like just try to get up. I mean, he jumps up and he, he takes off and he goes to Jesus because he's, he knows who he is. He knows the one in which he can run to. And Jesus, and he runs to Jesus and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, I don't know if you were here last week, <clears throat> But Jesus asked the same question last week. And Jesus, this is a great question for us to answer. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want for Jesus to do for you? See, I don't think this is an isolated moment where Jesus is asking this. Now, I will tell you this. I think there are wrong answers to that question. I want some cash, right? I want this. I want that. If it's about you and in regards to like kind of feeding your flesh and sin, I'm pretty sure he's not going to answer that or respond to it. But if it's about him, if it's about doing the very things he does, like washing, cleansing, restoring, renewing, healing, the very nature, the very, the very attributes of what he is and what he does, he will hear you and he will answer. So Jesus, again, he he said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, notice in this, <clears throat> Jesus never forces himself upon you. I don't know if you hear that, but like Jesus is a man. And ladies, if you hear this, Jesus is not that kind of man that forces himself upon you. He is a man that is waiting for a response. Guys, Jesus is not forcing himself upon you, but he is waiting for you to respond and Jesus, again, he's asking for a response. And so if you're just kind of waiting for something to magically happen without a response, we must respond to Jesus. And if we don't, we will be left to the wayside. So the blind man said to him, to this, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Now, this moment, he's gone from, he's gone from son of David to rabbi. So now he says, you're the Messiah, Lord, promised one, and you're the teacher. And so it's kind of this kind of, Messiah, Lord, teacher, meaning that Jesus, you're kind of everything. I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to submit to you. You're the Messiah. And so he kind of gives all the attributes of Jesus kind of in this kind of context. So just so you know, Jesus is the good teacher in which we should follow his ways. He is the Messiah in which sacrificed himself on our behalf. He is the one in which we turn to. And so he gives kind of another name of Jesus in this, uh, the teacher. He says, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. Now, the, in this text, what, what, what happens, now if this is about Bartimaeus' faith, then what we would say is, wow, good job, Bartimaeus. You had a lot of faith, man. Your faith healed you. It's not how we read this. That's not what happens in this text. Praise and glory and honor doesn't go to Bartimaeus. It goes to Jesus. And so what, what Bartimaeus was doing was placing his faith in the object of his faith, which was Jesus Christ, meaning believing that Jesus could heal him. And in placing his faith in Jesus, the object of his faith, Jesus did bring healing in his life. And so now, what do we say? All praise and glory goes to Jesus. Jesus is the one who saves. Jesus is the one who heals. So just so you know, kind of this whole like, this like faith healing kind of thing that is in our world, even in our local world, just so you know that, that, that healed by faith isn't praise and honor to the person of faith. 
It's praise and honor to the person of Jesus. And if you ever hear anyone talking about giving honor and faith to someone, praise to someone because of their faith, then it's all wrong. It's all upside down. It's, it's borderline heretical. Not borderline, it is. All praise and honor and glory goes to Jesus. We are saved by the object of our faith at his will and his beckoning, not our own. So the object, the, the, the one that he had placed faith in had, had healed him and brought, brought, brought sight to him. And so it says, continues, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Just as Bartimaeus was healed immediately, when we cry out to the Lord, it isn't a process we go through. It isn't time-bound. It is immediately when we cry out to him, he has the power to save you in that very moment in your life. And so for you today, have you, have you cried out to him in this way? Do you believe that, that Christ not only can have compassion on your life, but he's capable of bringing healing and restoration in your life? So there is... There's a brokenness amongst us, a desperate brokenness, and it's all around us in this world. There's a desperate brokenness and a desperate neediness that all of us possess. And we can kind of, kind of toward our different tribes, we can mask it to act like we don't have a neediness. And so what I mean by that is like the polar bear tribe, the Viking tribe, I'm talking about local Jackson, North Canton, Right, we got like we got the Lake Tribe, and we got like I'm going to leave out some tribes, Plain Canton. Right, we have all these different tribes all around us. And what we do to be a part of some tribes is you got to drive this, you got to wear this, you got to do this. Right, is that is how our society works? And so what we do is we try to mask our neediness and say I don't I don't need anything. Look what I drive. Look what I wear. Look what I have. Look at my life. Look at my kids. Look at our sports. Look at this. Look at that. Right. And we act like we got it all together. I don't know if we can just all collectively say, I'll, I'll be the first. I don't, right? I'm all kinds of anxious today. We're about to have a baby. Guys, we're about to have a baby. It's going to happen. I've got anxiety, man. So I've got to work on it, right? I don't have it all together today. And you're about to see a guy in some like one, two, three days, 10 hours. He's knocking. I'm mean, like, I'm, I'm going to be needy, right? Like, Lord, finish this thing, right? Like that's going to be happening. I've had three others. I know how this goes. There's, there's a brokenness and a neediness in this room. And we can act like we have it all together, but I don't know. I just like to be a church that recognizes we don't. We don't have it all together. And there's a neediness that, that we all have. But see, we have this compassionate Savior. And this compassionate Savior meets us in our neediness when we cry out to him. And in meeting us in our neediness, he has the capability to restore and heal every facet and every part of our life. And he will do it as we live on earth. And one day when he returns, he will do it forever. Hallelujah. So in the room today, let's just be real that we are a lot more like Bartimaeus than we'd like to admit. But we can cry out to the one who saves and he'll save us. We can cry out to the one in our need, and he will hear us. So if you today don't know Jesus as Savior, I, just, I would just beg of you today, cry out to him to save you. Say, Son of David, have mercy on me. I have sinned against you, and I need my sins forgiven.
if you cry out to him today, he will save you. And maybe others in the room, you're in a place where you need to cry out to him because you got some stuff going on in your life that you don't know what to do with. And you just cry out in Christ, Jesus, son of David, help me. He will hear your cry and he will bring healing in your life. And this time we're going to have a moment of invitation of response. These altars are open. And if that's to come to faith in Christ, to come kneel down here and just say, I, I need you to save me from my sin, son of David, have mercy. If that's for you in Christ to come down here and lay some things down. We already said we're all, we're all needy, right? So in the recognition of neediness, it's not weird to come down to the altar because we're all needy. And whatever he's asking you to do, might we respond? Because see, clearly in this text, we must respond. We cannot remain silent if we want healing to come in our life. If you'll pray with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we're not alone. We thank you that in our blindness that you can bring sight. And Lord, that in reality, we know that we are merely beggars and have no right to sit at your table, but you've invited us to it. And so Lord, today, for the one, two, many that don't know you, whatever, whoever doesn't know you in this room today, Lord, I pray you give them the strength to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Forgive me of my sins. Save me. Lord, for those that have placed their faith in you, I pray today that you would help them to cry out to you. Son of David, have mercy on me. Help me. Lord, help us to respond well. We believe that you hear us. We believe that you can heal us. So as we sing this song, as we respond, help us to do so. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand, we're going to sing, and these altars are open for you to respond.